This is Jamie from Washington State, and I refuse to listen to I Doubt It with Dalimore because I don't want to move the conversation forward. I'd rather stay in my little uninformed, protected bubble. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dalamore. Welcome and thank you for joining us. Let's get this going. Episode 192 of I Doubt It with Dalamore. I am your host, Jesse Dalamore, and sitting across from me, something, 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 Brittany Page. Sick. You could have said sick. What is going on with you? I know. It's it's insane. Do you have this Zika virus or some other malady that you haven't acknowledged your contraction of? I'm trying to figure out what's happening. What I think it is is karma because oh. my... <laughs> How scientific and empirical of yeah, you. Yeah, it's just my horrible karma. luck. Um, I'm being... I was a real bitch to someone at a restaurant <laughs> and all of a sudden I'm sick. No, 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 no. <laughs> Not like that. It's that my whole life I've been one of those people who says, oh yeah, I never get sick. Uh. And now I have had a cold or, or a throat thing three times a within thro- like the last two months it seems like those kind of illnesses where it's a throat thing mm-hmm. or yeah it's this just chest thing that just you you haven't kicked it for like three months yeah you have had a steady supply and intake of claritin of nyquil and dayquil and mark over at mark's b-hole uh-huh. recommended robitussin some high-speed, low-drag version of Robitussin. It is which, a piece of S. Yeah, which you're not a fan of. No. You have, without any reservation, disavowed loyalty to that product. If they came to the program mm-hmm. and they said, listen. The program. Brittany and Jesse, we have been listening to <laughs> I Doubt It with Dollamore oh, for God. a long time now. We at the Robitussin Corporation... And us, you know, we the big wigs, Mm -hmm. we want to sponsor your program. It's it's brought to you. This this episode of I Doubt It with Dollamore is brought to you by the good folks over at Robitussin. Well, then I love the S out of Robitussin. No, no, you would say you'd say, hey, you know what? Fuck you. Your shit's no good. And you would continue the downward spiral of good karma. No, I would would be like, how much are you going to pay us? (laughs) And then I'll say whatever they want. No, I'm kidding. But seriously, the the Robitussin, is it ending with an M or an N? An N. Robitussin. Robitussin. Yeah. And it just doesn't make you sleep. I don't think it has the NyQuil element. Well, I I feel like it, and I don't know how we're, we've got an actual intro topic to talk about, and we've just gone fucking three minutes on Robitussin. Well, we have to address my voice. Well, I guess so. Mm-hmm. But I, I think it's kind of reversed because NyQuil does me in. It's no good. I wake up in a foggy fucking mess. And it's kind of the same thing for you with the with the Tussin. Uh, no. No? No, it just had no effect on me at all. I just made that up. Yeah, you totally made that all up. Right. You're lying. I tell you what, let's... 
Why are you lying? Your your illness, though, is compounded. <laughs> this is no segue required, I guess. Mm-hmm. Your illness is compounded by the fact that you are stressed the fuck out and angry, I would say. That's my, that's my, I'm putting that on you by. More lies. Listen, the audience knows, the audience well knows that you are not a fan of plus minus grading. Hate it. It is the bane of Britney Page's existence. Not a fan. Because it, you have to do super well to get a solid 4.0. Well, and when your self-worth is tied to your grades. Right, right. So, but there's this semester, a new grading scale has been introduced. Just th- in one of my classes. In one, I was getting there to in one of your classes that makes the plus minus problem you faced inconsequential. Yeah. Why don't you share with us this sadistic <laughs> grading scale that has been foisted upon you? Okay. So for an A plus. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> So for an A plus, so, sorry, sorry, an, I got, I got, I got carried away. I okay, got I'm excited. trying to talk. I'm trying to talk. Okay. Well, I'm trying to talk. For an A plus, I need to get a 100 percent or above. That sounds. That's reasonable. That's rational. That is not okay to get an A because well, there, there's no such thing as an A plus. If you get a hundred, that is an A plus, right? Yeah, but typically an A plus is like. More commonly, a 98 to 100%. Oh, oh, okay, okay. Or a 97 to 100%. So what about just getting a straight A? A straight A is 96% to 99%. Okay, so A minus... Is a 92% to a 95%. So a 90 under this sadistic monsters grading scale. No. A 90 isn't an A. That no. is a B plus. It is. So from an 88 <laughs> to a 91%. A 91% is a B plus. I would be incredulous. It is. So what is what is a straight B? I don't have that because that's not an option. So let me. For so me. <laughs> you, you have to get a B minus or above to even pass the class for it to count toward your graduate work. I think that's true. Okay. It's either a B or a B minus. Well, B minus. That's what I said. B minus. So, so, so what I'm getting at is, if you were to get an 80 or even an 81% in this particular class, that's not a B minus. That, that, by the logic that we're following here, that should be a C plus. No, it's not. I actually remember the B minus and B is different from the A's. It's structured differently. So it's like a sli- it's, it's a sliding scale, kind of like the tax plan. It's a progressive plan. Like Bernie Sanders' tax plan. I'm not sure. Listen, it doesn't make a lot of sense, and it seems like it is intended just to torture, but I really love the professor that's doing this to us. Oh, so she says to cover her ass. No, I really do. I know you do. I'm being a funny guy. But Can't you tell by the funny face? Yeah, so... <laughs> <laughs> and no response by the way <laughs> no so i really i like the class i really love this professor and this is just very confusing because i've taken a class from them before and the grading wasn't like this so i'm wondering if it's kind of a, a second year graduate you know requirement or something maybe and they're trying to weed out some turds they're upping the ante a little bit to yeah. make you perform even better um I, I don't really know but whatever it is this is what I have to work with, so I'm going to do it. Sick and all. Sick and all.
as I get another cough drop. Just ignore <laughs> the audience. Doesn't I almost said ignore the noise coming from Brittany's side and her microphone, but they won't know because it's 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 strangely how the technology works. It just gets mixed into one channel, so everyone thinks now that I'm fumble fucking. Oh, good. With a cough drop wrapper. Oh, great. Yeah, when I am healthy as a dog, as a horse, so, as a as a mule, as some kind of creature, which you would think would be very healthy. That's Jesse D. Careful, that's karma talk right now. Um, <laughs> so, but but one more thing I want to say. <coughs> oh my God, what's happening? It's a joke. Okay. One more thing I want to say. You looked alarmed. That's why I I was kind of confused about what was happening. The acting was so horrible. I couldn't tell. Oh, how fucking dare you. So. Goddamn. I would just want to say, I would like everyone to note how often I've been sick on the show compared to how often Jesse D's been sick on the show. And this is going to be applicable for the taking care of biz segment. Speaking of at the end of the show. How dare you. At the end of the show. Applicable. All right, let's let's move on before this goes sideways real quick. Let's do. I want to cover some listener feedback. We got a message on the Facebook page today. And if you are not a follower of the Facebook page, a liker of the Facebook page, if you are not joining with us in partnership to move the conversation forward via Facebook, get it together. What's the message, Brittany? So we received this message to the Facebook page from Deborah in Washington State, and she says, "Hey guys, I we've love got a we've got a healthy fan base in the state of Washington. We do. We have a lot of friends and family who live there. We do, and uh, it's good. I wonder. I wonder if if Deborah is somehow connected to those people, uh huh, because she we won't say where exactly, but she is in a very a Jesus-centric area uh-huh. of Washington State. And there are others. Take heart, young Deborah. There are others like you who feel the way you do. Or I would assume, I don't think a lot of fundy Christians are listening to the show. <laughs> Sorry, I interrupt. It's what I do. Okay. Hey, guys. I love the show. I don't think that Brittany is the best part, but I love the show nevertheless. Wow. That is... uh. Real good. How dare you, Deborah? No. How dare you chastise her? Okay. This is a clear thinking woman. <laughs> she goes on to say, I was just wondering, what is the deal with talking about farts and poop and bathrooms lately? How dare you, Deborah? The last podcast. See, you see how shit turns real quick? The last podcast was like eight minutes of the cauliflower farts. <laughs> Come on, people. You two are way above filling airtime. Well, l- let me let <laughs> we got told by Deborah in many different ways. We got told. Let me let me say this. You you audience, not just you, Deborah, you audience, you have the lovely and talented, scholarly, beautiful Brittany Page to thank for the fact that this isn't poop cast <laughs> bathroom cast 2016, because if it were up to me. We'd be talking about poops and butt and wiping butts and farts and stinks and all the time. Because whether you like it or not, farts are funny. No, they're not. Pooping is funny. No, it's not. Stinky things are funny. No. They they just are. No. Maybe it's the delicate lady (laughs) 
in you, Brittany, and in you, Deborah, that aren't coming around to the logical conclusion that it's very funny. And like I said, it it really is. (laughs) And I, I, I can't express this enough. It really is Brittany and her influence and her authority on the show that prevents me from talking about that kind of shit a lot more. <laughs> See, Deborah <laughs> almost made things worse on herself because you just ended up talking about more things having to do with the things that she hates hearing us talk about. <laughs> but that's okay. What are you going to do? Listen. Oh, she also said, right. I wanted to let you know that Jesse's laugh is the most contagious thing in the history of the world. I love it. In the history of the world. Other than maybe the bubonic plague. So she's, No, she's in the putting, history. She's putting my laugh on, on scale with horrible communicable diseases. Yes. Great. That's how great it my is. My laugh is a dirty, filthy disease. <laughs> Thank you, Deborah. That is a beautiful sentiment. And I will take it to my grave. Although I'll probably be cremated and, you know, tossed to the four winds. Thank you for the message. Thank you for the email on the Facebook page. That is awesome. If you too, fellow audience members, would like to communicate with the show, 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtedatdollamore.com. As the lovely Deborah has learned, Facebook is also an option. There is Twitter. It's everything. In fact, I would admonish the audience today, tell a friend, recruit a friend to download the show, to subscribe and listen to the show. It's like a growing cult that we want new membership. I wish I had a clip of the the Hare Krishna song that they used to be at the airport. Pre-9-11, when they could go right up to the gate and bang on their fucking tambourines and shit. That's what we want. An active, involved audience recruiting new, new blood. (laughs) Yes. All right. We've got a lot to get to. And we don't have a lot of follow-up because there's a lot to get to relative to the Iowa caucus and Dalamocracy. So in place of follow-up, we've got two things that Brittany and I both found very, very interesting. The first being... Real close and real near and dear to Britney's heart about lying children being more cognitively advanced. Well, I don't know if it's cognitively advanced. There's some research that just came out that said lying as a child is a sign of cognitive progress. (laughs) It's kind of a developmental milestone. Like evolutionarily or... Uh, Go ahead. So research led by Kang Lee, a psychology professor at the University of Toronto, shows that lying begins early in precocious children. Among verbal two-year-olds, 30% try to pull the wool over their parents' eyes at some point. At age three, 50% regularly try it. And fibbing is common among 80% of four-year-olds and is seen in nearly all healthy five to (laughs) seven-year-olds. In other words, lying is nothing unusual in small children. What's more, younger children who tell tales have a cognitive advantage over the truth tellers. Quote, lying requires two ingredients. Children need to understand what's in someone else's mind to know what they know and what they don't know. We call this ability the theory of the mind. The children who are better at theory of the mind are also better at lying. Hmm. The second requirement, according to Dr. Lee, is executive function. 
the power to plan ahead and curb unwanted actions. Quote, the 30% of the under three-year-olds who can lie have higher executive function abilities, specifically the ability to inhibit the urge to tell the truth and switch to lying. Wait, wait, wait. So it takes work, cognitive work, energy, brain energy to lie and not just, yeah, I guess that would be true because that's, you, if you lie to manipulate the situation, that takes energy. Right. So maybe you're right. Cognitively advanced is the best phrase. Because wow. Everybody? The, 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 I just want to make sure everybody heard that. <laughs> yes. So the researchers say such cognitive sophistication means that early liars will be more successful in school and in their dealings with other kids on the playground. Huh. So early lying... Should not be punished, you see. It should be celebrated. Yeah, you should be like, wow, <laughs> you are so cognitively sophisticated, child. This is amazing that you're lying to me. You're trying to figure out what I know and what I don't so you can lie. So maybe there's going to be a new trend amongst parents that, ah, oh, he really, he's a dirty fucking liar. He really takes after me. He, no, that's not his mom. That's all me. Yes. <laughs> Well, and I used to lie my ass off when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. I really? Was, it was a big thing for me. My parents knew. It was always, wait, are wait, you wait, lying? Wait, wait, wait. Are you lying? It was a big thing for me. No, it was. <laughs> That's the thing I most often got punished for. You, I don't know if you've talked about it on the show, but there have been stories that you've told me about going to dinner or being at dinner and... You didn't want to eat anymore, but your parents were, you know, you're going to finish what's in front of you. Mm -hmm. So you just PFO, you just pass the fuck out of the table. Yeah. Well, and then they carry you. Yeah. Fake, fake passing out. Or didn't you store like store the uh, apple peels, the the apple peel in your cheek like a chipmunk. So you go spit it out. Yeah. So I'd, I'd eat the apple and I'd chew it up. And then I would save the peel in my cheeks. And then I'd be like, I have to go to the bathroom. And I'd go to the bathroom. <laughs> and I'd spit it in the toilet paper and flush it. And that's how I would eat an apple. Because I didn't want to eat the peel. Was that part of lying? Or was that just your style? That was, I don't know. Did, I was just all jacked up. Would they? <laughs> <laughs> I was just all jacked up. I, Who knows? I didn't now. have it figured out yet. <laughs> just eat the peel, yummy face. Come on. Yeah, that's good. So the other, the other, which is also kind of childhood related, well, not kind of, it's full on childhood related. The American Psychological Association has released an article or a study or a position paper, maybe, on the case against spanking children. So it's an article. And so maybe we should talk about what these things are before we (laughs) do it on the show. I don't like notes. I know you don't. don't. Listen, I'm... (laughs) I, I, that is not my style. I, I think it would cramp the style of the show if I had all f- copious notes and if we ran things ahead of time. Okay. It would be way too professional <laughs> for my taste if we were to do something like that. Okay. So it's kind of a summary of different research items and they talk about the negative impact of spanking on children. And there Your is- voice, by the way, sounds real good. I know it's really horrible. I'm very sorry. But, you know, what would you like? Would you not like to hear me read this? Or would you like me to (laughs) read it with my sexy voice? This is sexy? Wow. Yeah, I sound just like Kathy. (laughs) Right? Uh, Voice goals. I I think you may sound more like Kathy's dad (laughs) than Kathy. Yeah. Listener, 
Patreon supporter, Kathy. If he has been a smoker his whole life. <laughs> all right, all right. Continue with the American Psychological Association's admonitions against spanking. So on the international front, physical discipline is increasingly being viewed as a violation of children's human rights. Now think about that. Right. Yeah, that's big. Who knew children had human rights? <laughs> right. Who knew that they aren't property right. that you can just beat whenever you feel like it? Chattel or slaves to do your bidding. You lied to me? Smack. Right. Okay, so the United Nations Committee on the Rights of the Child issued a directive in 2006 calling physical punishment, quote, legalized violence against children that should be eliminated in all settings through, quote, legislative, administrative, social, and educational measures. Around the world, 30 countries have banned physical punishment of children in all settings, including the home. The legal bans typically have been used as public education tools rather than attempts to criminalize behavior by parents who spank their children. Quote, physical punishment doesn't work to get kids to comply, so parents think they have to keep escalating it, and that is why it is so dangerous. So physical punishment can work momentarily to stop problematic behavior because children are afraid of being hit, but it doesn't work in the long term and it can actually make children more aggressive. Yeah. And research consistently shows this. So a study published last year in Child Abuse and Neglect revealed an intergenerational cycle of violence in homes where physical punishment was used. Researchers interviewed parents and children aged three to seven for more than a hundred families. Children who were physically punished were more likely to endorse hitting as a means of resolving their conflict conflicts with peers and siblings learned behavior right parents who had experienced frequent physical punishment during their childhood were more likely to believe it was acceptable and they frequently spanked their children adrian peterson right their children in turn often believed spanking was an appropriate disciplinary method the negative effects of physical punishment may not be apparent for some time quote a child doesn't get spanked and then run out and rob a store there are indirect changes in how the child thinks about things and feels about things and I think this is really important. And I think as we go forward, we start to understand more about the impact of spanking. And we move away from a lot of parenting techniques that, you know, used to be accepted, but now they're viewed as unacceptable. Right. More taboo. Right. And that comes with learning new things and evolving and changing. Yeah. And just because spanking was prominent however long ago it's not just slowly prominent but promoted right and it all stems from the bible spare the rod and spoil the child that is a you know an archaic bronze age campfire bullshit right yeah and now that we're starting to learn how it affects children into adulthood and how they uh, and how they interact with their peers, sure. How they, what they start to believe about the world. Now we know that this isn't a great thing, and that we should stop doing it. Now we know it's not like, well, this information kind of leads us to believe it. Uh, maybe not. It's fucking we know. If you hit your child, look, I played the clip on the show before. We've talked about it. Louis C.K. puts it maybe the best. He does. That they're the only people you're allowed to hit. Two-year-old. The most defenseless members of our society, the only ones who it's acceptable to strike, to hit, to hurt. I really think it's crazy that we hit our kids. It really is. Here's the crazy part about it. Kids are the only people in the world that you're allowed to hit. Do you realize that? They're the most vulnerable and they're the most destroyed by, hit, by being hit. 
but it's totally okay to hit them. And they're the only ones. If you hit a dog, they fucking will put you in jail for that shit. That's outrageous. If someone is not immediately imposing harm, destruction, or thievery of your personal belongings, you don't get to hit them. Especially a fucking child. Right, and it's difficult because the alternative is things that require patience, things that require time. Yes. So not responding negatively or emotionally to your child's temper tantrum putting them in timeouts when needed, consistent discipline, rewarding their good behavior. You know, good discipline isn't easy and it can't happen quickly. Well, spanking is a quick fix. It is. If you strike your child, you hit your child, whatever behavior that led to your hitting them, it will likely stop. But that's an immediate quick fix that only goes to further the problem in their adulthood. It's going to cement that idea that, oh, hitting someone is a problem-solving benchmark. That is what you do when you have a problem with someone that you want solved. That's a last fucking resort. The last time I hit someone was in my far younger days when I really believed it to be you know, conflict resolution with more of a cave. I, I, I believed in this weird caveman style of justice and I'm stronger and more powerful than you. And therefore my will, my physical will will resolve whatever conflict, be it intellectual or, or physical. It, it, it's backwards. It's fucking backwards. It just is. Yeah. So that is that. Sorry. I went on a little, a little jag there. That is Okay. <laughs> And we're going to post these articles, of course, to the Facebook page and the Twitter page so you can read them in full. And, and share them. This is a conversation that needs to be had. I think it's very important. So if you're into that, if you're into the conversation, share it, like it, comment on it. Let's talk about it. Because it's, uh, it's a big deal. It affects the least among us. And it's worth, it's worth talking about. Support for I Doubt It with Dolomore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like yourself by way of Patreon. You can contribute per episode, as much or as little as you'd like, comforted by the knowledge that you're within your budget and helping move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you too would like to become a supporter, please visit patreon.com slash I Doubt It with Dolomore. Before we move on, I want to let you know that we are having another debate today, Thursday, the 4th. Well, it won't be released today, but the debate is today. Yeah, the debate is today. We're going to be having a free bonus episode for our Patreon subscribers that will be re- released either Friday or early Saturday, and we're looking forward to it. It's been, it, I'm assuming that it's a GOP debate. It is not. Really? On a Thursday? Yes. Oh, this is the New Hampshire one that was all brokered mm-hmm. and negotiated between the Hillary camp and Bernie Sanders. Yes. No. So this is out of the purview of the Democratic National uh, Committee. That, that's why this is taking place on a fucking Thursday. Yes. This should be pretty good. And actually, there are four debates this month, and two of them are on Saturdays, and both of those Saturday debates are GOP debates. Wow. Mm-hmm. New. 
That's a different. Uh, it's a different trend. I wonder what's going on. So anyway, that is happening. We love you. We appreciate you. Thank you, Patreon people. As always, we we definitely have a warm spot. A warm, real warm. Not real moist, just warm for all of you. Can I say really quick who the moderators are? <laughs> yeah, yeah, please. Um, Chuck Todd and... I'm digging myself a hole here, so... I'm saving you. Chuck Todd and Rachel Maddow will be hosting the debates today oh, on wow. MSNBC. Wow, really? Mm-hmm. Chuck Todd and Rachel Maddow. Yes. So it's a, a NBC network, MSNBC kind of collaboration. I mean, they have the same parent company, mm-hmm. but they are clearly two separate entities. Well, that's good. That's interesting. Well, that's going to be good. So tune in for that. If you'd like to take part in that, of course, check out Patreon. Let's move on to a little tootin' of my horn. Dollamocracy 2016, facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. It is amazing that over the course of 192 episodes, we have only played clips from the show on one single episode. And it was last time. Yeah, it was last episode that we played some things that have happened on previous episodes. Well, it's going to happen again right now. And it's only because I am a vain and an egocentric maniac Mm -hmm. who wants to prove his political worth and knowledge as a prognosticator, as maybe the next Nate Silver. Well, (laughs) let's cool it a little bit. And the results are in. Rick Santorum won. (laughs) So I was completely off, guys. I was completely off. I know. You thought he was going to drop out. Months ago. And uh, nope. He's the winner. He is the winner of the Iowa caucus. Who knew this would happen? Who who knew? (laughs) Disappointing. Well, if you've paid attention to any media whatsoever, you know that the two winners of the Iowa caucus are Ted Cruz, not Donald Trump, Mm -hmm. and Hillary Clinton by, well, to say it's a scant margin would be underselling what exactly fucking went down. Yes. So we, I'm going to play right now just a snippet between the lovely Brittany and I about my predictions for Iowa kind of juxtaposed against Nate Silver from the lauded and and well-respected 538.com. And again, when the clip is over, I'll let you know so you don't think it's just continuing because it's going to kind of sound the same. Would you like to know who 538 is projecting to win? In each, in, for each party? Yes. I, I would say, Hillary Clinton, I would say, that they're going to project. And Ted Cruz? So they're projecting Hillary Clinton to win they say that she has a 79 percent chance oh, of winning i do not think it's that high the iowa caucuses wow that's there's a lot of things at play here and i think that and this is the first time i will have said this on the show i think nate silver might be overplaying his past record of of nailing it and he is listen he's a genius he makes me look like a, a, a an insect relative to intellect <laughs> and analyzing politics and analyzing statistics for sure however he is the the chinks in his armor have been uh shown illuminated if you will because he's been wrong about trump this entire time as have i 
but he has been wrong at every turn about Trump's chances and success since he entered the race. He has been, and he has been forced to come around. And so they are projecting that Donald Trump will win the Iowa caucuses. They say that Donald Trump has a 48% chance of winning. Wow, so not so great, though. And Cruz, 40% chance of winning. Wow. Cruz. Mm -hmm. So it's between Donald Trump and Cruz. And I believe it'll probably be Cruz. However, I think there will be some surprises. Some people will do better. And listen, I'm not even saying that 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 uh, Hillary Clinton won't win. I think it is she might win. But I think Bernie Sanders. It's going to be a lot closer than than people think. Well, clip is over. Yeah. First of all, so I said I think Cruz will win. Mm-hmm. And then I said. While I think Hillary is going to win, I think it's going to be a lot closer Uh than people are giving Bernie Sanders credit for. Mm -hmm. And what happened, he lost by 0. 0.2. 3. 49.8 to 49.6 are all all the numbers I've seen. No, it's 49.9 to 49.6. All right. 0.3%. Just over... A quarter of a percent. That is, first of all, there was a record turnout in Iowa, but even based on that record turnout, this is even greater than Obama's election, first election in 2008. Even with that greater turnout, it's still not a lot of votes. So 0.2% of not a lot is even less. Mm -hmm. And uh, Bernie did real well. Real well. So, okay. <laughs> do you want to try to um, do another prediction? Uh, I didn't want to, but yeah, I, I wanted to quit while I was ahead. But no, go, no, go ahead. Okay. Yeah. So, five thirty-eight has Trump with a sixty percent chance of winning, Rubio with a fifteen percent chance, and Cruz with a twelve percent chance. Hmm. So they still have Donald Trump in the lead by quite a bit. We'll see what happens. No, no Kasich in there? Kasich is at a 6% chance. Of because winning. Kasich right now is, he is driving forward and really bolstering support. He's doing a lot of town halls. He has a lot of appeal to that kind of an electorate, to, to a New Hampshire type of voter. 6% of them he does. <laughs> According to 538. Says Nate Silver in 538 who got it wrong. In Iowa. Yes. Well, I I would say this. I'll make this prediction. And I don't, the reason I don't want to come right out, I'll just be honest because I'm a straight guy, straightforward guy. Uh huh. I'm actually pretty gay. (laughs) Okay. Well, learn something new every day. Every day. So, what it is, is I don't, I don't want to have to retract or, you know, play a, 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 a sad trombone. Solo mm-hmm. as oh, boo. In, in 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 uh in the wake of a, a, a bad prediction, mm-hmm. my what I would like to have happen is I don't want Trump to win. I think it's unlikely he's going to do as well as they're saying he's gonna do. And I think a more reasonable candidate will probably rise up and do a lot better. But the problem is there's a couple of quote-unquote reasonable candidates that will probably split the vote, like John Kasich and Rubio. And actually, Jeb Bush is on the ground really pushing hard. He has 5%. 
Yeah. Well, no, I didn't say his support, but he's pushing hard <laughs> right now because that's this is his last hope. This and South Carolina are his last hopes. I don't know if we pulled the video, but Jeb Bush was talking at a rally. I believe it was in New Hampshire, and he, you know, was saying these talking points that should have been really exciting to the crowd. And he finished, and they didn't immediately start clapping. So he said, <laughs> "Please clap." <laughs> And then they started wow. clapping and it's wow. become a popular vine or whatever That's a bummer. because he looks very sad. He's like, please clap. <laughs> I will be a commander in chief that will have the back of the military. I won't trash talk. I won't be a divider in chief or an agitator in chief. I won't be out there blowharding, talking a big, big game without backing it up. I think the next president needs to be a lot quieter, but send a signal that we're prepared to act in the national security interests of this country to get back in the business of creating a more peaceful world. Please clap. So uh, here's the deal. If, 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 if Trump wins, it won't be by a landslide. And there's going to be a, a smaller percentage that's the, the entire percentage is going to be split up between several candidates. So that's not really a percentage. And then Bernie Sanders will outright with no problem win very handily in New Hampshire. And, you know, his, his win in Iowa is as good as a win. Or his second place 0.3% finish in second is as good as a win. So he is... So 538 has him with a 91% chance of winning. Wow. Are you kidding me? And Hillary Clinton with a 9% chance. 91% chance. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, wow. That's amazing. We'll yeah. see. That sounds a little outrageous to me, but I've been wrong before. Just not today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good job. All right. Well, let's, let's go through this and... Let's play Ted Cruz and his just fucking pandering bullshit. It's either pandering or he really is just a full-blown 100% Jesus nutter butter. So this is his winning speech, This is his victory speech. Let me first of all say, to God be the glory. Uh, Goddamn. Tonight is a victory for the grassroots. Could he be more dramatic? Tonight is a victory for courageous conservatives across Iowa and all across this great nation. Courageous conservatives. Tonight, the state of Iowa has spoken. Iowa has sent notice that the Republican nominee and the next president of the United States will not be chosen by the media. Will not be chosen by the Washington establishment will not be chosen by the lobbyists 
but will be chosen by my, the most incredible, powerful force where all sovereignty resides in our nation by we, the people, the American people. Uh, Goddamn, you know, it just, it's, it's overwrought and dramatic. And I know CNN made a lot, a lot of fun of him because of it. Some, somebody over there said that it was his Howard Dean moment mm-hmm. where Howard Dean did the Michigan and Oregon and ah, he did his crazy scream. <laughs> I, I wouldn't go that far. I think that this will be forgotten because it's just, it's, it's just a guy who, who loves the passion and the pomp and circumstance of hearing himself give a speech, you know? Well, I am not sure if what he's saying is anything different than what other people say. I mean, the first thing he gets up there and says is, to God be the glory. Right. Effectively, thank you, God, for choosing me. Right. You know, it's just the most narcissistic thing that, you know, before the election started, before the caucus started, he said, um, it's in God's hands. And so then he comes out and says, oh, God chose me. Right. Well, the creator said, of the universe has chosen me said, to win the Iowa caucuses. He said, I'm at peace. It's in God's hands. I'm at peace, uh, which means uh, I'm pretty confident. I mean, any normal person, yeah, I, you know, I'm confident where we stand right now. I think we've done our groundwork and our campaign machine has done the work it needs to do. And look, it's um, there's no more work to be done. It's in the voters' hands. That's a, a reasonable position. That's a reasonable thing to say. Right, it's in the voters' hands. <laughs> right. It's not Jesus is going to come down in effect with his magical glitter He's like Tinkerbell on goddamn Ted Cruz on uh, on uh, what's the Peter Pan, <laughs> just fucking dumb. So that's his victory speech. Donald Trump also gave a speech, and I think they replaced the Donald Trump we've come to know and hate with some other dude because he really didn't sound very Trump esque. Unbelievable. I have to start by saying I absolutely love the people of Iowa. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Wait, what? Because this is the Donald Trump that I'm used to. How stupid are the people of Iowa? How stupid are the people of the country? A little kind of a different flair. Let's let this new Donald Trump continue. So, on June 16th, when we started this journey, there were 17 candidates. I was told by everybody, do not go to Iowa. You could never finish even in the top 10. And I said, but I have friends in Iowa. I know a lot of people in Iowa. I think they'll really like me. Let's give it a shot. They said, don't do it. I said, I have to do it. And we finished second. And I want to tell you something. I'm just honored. I'm really honored. And I want to congratulate Ted, and I want to congratulate all of the incredible candidates, including Mike Huckabee, who's become a really good friend of mine. So congratulations to everybody. Congratulations. This was clearly after Mike Huckabee had dropped out, Mm -hmm. because Mike Huckabee dropped out real quick. I mean, Martin O'Malley dropped out before the... The night was even over before right. the results were even in. Well, yeah. the results didn't really come in until the next morning or the next afternoon. But B- B- O'Malley was out. I think the caucuses were still going on and he was he bounced. Yes. 
Before we get to the concession speeches, because there are several, because there are a lot of quitters now, the race has congealed. Mm -hmm. It's tightened up. There might not even be an undercard debate anymore. Yeah, right. No kidding. Well, there might be. So, (laughs) just one dude just rambling to himself. Yeah. Maybe it'll just be Carly Fiorina, just... No, I think it'll be Jim Gilmore who is still in for some reason. Who knew? I didn't even know that guy was still alive. He got like seven votes or something. I mean, it's... It's all the Gilmores who live in Iowa. Yeah, exactly. So this next speech is very odd. It's Marco Rubio who gave a speech after his third place performance. Mm Mm-hmm. Almost like a victory speech. And this is the weird thing about American politics is it's all about messaging. You know, about a week before the caucus, I told Brittany that if Bernie Sanders finishes within five points of Hillary Clinton, he's going to act like it is a victory, that no one expected us to do this. This is a sign that we are on the rise. Mm -hmm. Things are going well for us. And we're going to go into New Hampshire with a a renewed sense of confidence and support. Right. Well, Rubio is acting like the entire time he was he was campaigning for like seventh place, and he's just so blessed to be in third. Thank you. So, is this so the this music? Is the he was moment playing? they said would yeah. never happen. It's the moment. They said would never happen. For months, for months they told us we had no chance. <laughs> for months they told us because we offered too much optimism in a time of anger, we had no chance. For months they told us because we didn't have the right endorsements or the right political connections, we had no chance. They told me that we had no chance because my hair wasn't gray enough and my boots were too high. <laughs> They told me I needed to wait my turn, that I needed to wait in line. <laughs> Pretty great. Oh, my God. Pretty great line, though. This is your turn. But tonight, tonight here in Iowa, the people of this great state event sent a very clear message. After seven years of Barack Obama, we are not waiting any longer to take our country back. This is not a time for waiting. For everything that makes this nation great now hangs in the balance. This is a time where we need a president that will truly preserve and protect and defend the Constitution of the United States, not one that undermines, attacks, and ignores the Constitution of the United States. This is the time for a president who will defend our Second Amendment rights not a president who undermines them. This is a time for a president that will rebuild the U.S. military because the world is a safer and a better place when the United States has the most powerful military in the world. Wait, what? So it is a safe place because we do have the most powerful military in the world Mm -hmm. right now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Fucking mook. All right, let's get on with the quitters. We're well, run, we're running long here. Well, you I got do, something to say? I do wonder what he's talking about and what planet he's been living on because right. every time he is involved in a debate, everyone says, "Wow, Marco Rubio performed so well." Right. He's been one of the popular candidates. So for him to act like he's Jim Gilmore. Right. Will you relax? Right. Oh, no one even knew who I was yesterday and all of a sudden I'm third in the Iowa caucus. Listen, dickhole. 
you're not Mike Huckabee. You're not Rick Santorum. And you're certainly not. He's acting like he's George Pataki, who got called out of the blue, like, uh, ring-a-dingy. Uh, hey, uh, former Governor Pataki, I just want to let you know you got third in the Iowa caucus. You better get out here. Like, oh, really? Oh, shit. I'm yeah. just sitting here home on my couch. What? Yeah. He's, <laughs> you're running for first place, asshole. Don't be a maniac. Don't be a pandering liar. Yes. <laughs> All right, let's get to the quitters. The first candidate to drop out of the race was former governor of Maryland. And this is before, like I said, before the caucus was even over, Martin O'Malley. So look, gang, in, uh, gang. Uh, in conclusion. <laughs> is he Fred from Scooby-Doo? No <laughs> hey, gang. Wait, that's Shaggy. This fight. Did Shaggy say it or Fred? But no, I'm doing the Shaggy voice. Okay. To, in order to give the people a choice, and the people have made their choice tonight, and uh, it was hard to get over that threshold here, and uh, I know that those numbers don't reflect all of the hard work that you did, uh, but uh, we have driven this debate, and, uh, and so tonight I, I have to tell you that I am suspending this presidential bid, but I am not ending this fight because the fight that you are and I are engaged in is a tough fight and I believe that the toughness of the fight is the way the hidden God has of telling us we're actually fighting for something worth saving our country's worth saving the American dream is worth saving and this planet is worth saving yeah listen I didn't really know much about Martin O'Malley prior to this and to be honest I don't know much about Martin O'Malley now but goddamn, you know, he's a, he's a decent guy. I think he's a passionate man who feels honestly, who's, who's, who's speaking honestly about what he believes. I don't think he's a crazy panderer. I think there's a place for him in a future Democratic administration. I just don't think he's, uh, he's got the star power or whatever to, to make it happen for himself. So before we move on, 538 published an article about O'Malley dropping out, and they said O'Malley supporters almost won Iowa for Sanders. Hillary Clinton barely beat Bernie Sanders in Iowa. It was basically a tie. Her 0.3 percentage point margin ranks as the thinnest victory in Iowa Democratic Caucus history. Yeah. But it's likely that Clinton was ahead by a wider margin in the initial preferences of caucus participants. Iowa Democrats don't report the preference of voters as they enter the caucuses. Instead, voters are allowed to change who they support after a first round of voting. Sometimes there are multiple rounds, after which candidates who don't clear a viability threshold are eliminated. 15%. We talked about that last time. Right. Even after all that shuffling, we don't get a raw vote total. Instead, we get statewide delegate equivalents. Those are the results you saw Monday night. Sometimes the difference between the percentage of statewide delegate equivalents won and each candidate's initial share of the vote is greater than five percentage points. Sanders appears to have benefited from this process Monday night. According to the initial preferences extrapolated from the data from 58 sample precincts collected by Edison Research, Clinton won an estimated 49%, Sanders 46%, and Martin O'Malley 3%. 2% were uncommitted. In statewide delegate equivalents, Clinton earned 49.85%, Sanders 49.58%, and O'Malley 0.4%. 0.03% were uncommitted. Hmm. 
So although there is no entrance poll data asking about the reallocation, there are anecdotal reports of O'Malley backers going to Sanders. Additionally, some pre-election surveys suggested that O'Malley voters were more inclined to pick Sanders than Clinton as their second choice. So as he dropped out, right. it's possible that those people went to Sanders. Filtered over, right. Which, you know, good for good for them, good for him. I mean, that, that scant a margin between the two is virtually a tie. It's mm-hmm. not... 0.3 percentage Yeah, points. it's not like she just ran away with the fucking thing. It's, eh, it could have gone either way had they had another six hours of campaigning and had he done, you know, had his ground team in place a little bit more tightly, he could have won. Right. It's that close. And it was close all night. Right. Oh, yeah. Well, up until the next goddamn day, they didn't announce. So... Anyway, let's let's move on with this. Let's get to the next loser, Mike Huckabee. But elections are about choices. And the main thing I need to say to you tonight is that as as we come here tonight, it's time to officially suspend the campaign, but not because of the votes. It's because of illness. Oh. Obviously, the voters are sick of me, and I need to <laughs> acknowledge that. Fucking Mike Huckabee. Look, I, I'd rather win than lose. Huh? But I'm telling you, I had rather lose an election with the kind of wonderful people that have stood with us through this whole process than to win and not have the kind of prayerful, loving, and gracious support that we have enjoyed through this process. Thank you. Thank you. Well, so he's out. I mean, that's... It's no surprise. He won Iowa, um, not last election cycle in 2012, but in 2008, he won Iowa. So it's kind of a shock, I guess, maybe a little bit to him that he didn't uh, fare better with the people of Iowa, having been a former winner of the Iowa caucus for the Republicans. Yeah. So here is... I am sad to say, I'm sad to see him go because I believe he does raise the dialogue in the Republican race, and that is the exit of Senator Rand Paul from Kentucky. It's been an honor to participate in the 2016 Republican presidential primary. I'm proud of our principled campaign and the thousands of young people that have been energized by our message of limited constitutional government. Ours has been a unique voice in this race, one that says big government threatens Americans from all walks of life, rich and poor. Is it just me or uh, his voice sound a lot like yours? (laughs) Yeah, a little bit. Black and white from the coal miner who lost his job over President Obama's destructive EPA regulations to the teenager from a poor family facing jail time for marijuana. I will continue to fight for criminal justice reform, for privacy, and your Fourth Amendment rights. I will continue to champion due process over indefinite detention. I will continue to be a voice against the out-of-control regulation, spending, and debt that is crippling our country's economy and the future of our children. I will not ignore the terrible cost of decades of war and chaos in the Middle East and the unintended consequences of regime change and nation-building. I will never forget the thousands of American soldiers who have given their lives and the thousands more who live every day with catastrophic injuries. These are the issues that have defined my campaign. 
Kelly and I are deeply grateful to our outstanding staff and tireless volunteers and supporters, people who believe in liberty. It has been a privilege to give voice to the liberty movement in this race, and I believe we have broadened the debate by being part of it. Although today I will suspend my campaign for the presidency, I will continue to fight on for liberty, for the Constitution, for justice in the United States Senate. Thank you, and God bless America. So it is kind of sad to see Rand Paul go because he is one of the more reasonable candidates. But Jim Gilmore tweeted, started out as one of 17 (laughs) GOP candidates. Now with Rand Paul and Rick Santorum out, one of nine, hashtag still standing. He hasn't fucking done anything. This is someone who got, I'm sorry, I said 12 votes. He got, I'm sorry, I said seven votes. He got 12 votes in the Iowa caucuses. Are you kidding? The entire state, he got 12 votes? Yes. And he is bragging, (laughs) hashtag still standing. Wow. Yeah. What? Has he lost his mind? Is he in some kind of an episode? What, What is happening? I have no idea. God damn. All right, well, let's we got to wrap this up. We're going long. Let's 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 finish with the quitters, and then we'll go to taking care of business. Um, Rick Santorum. That was very businesslike. Well, we're maybe taking we're, care of business. We're taking care of business a little bit by explaining the quitters in the. That is a terrible voice. What am I doing? I have no idea. God damn. Yeah, confused. All right, Rick Santorum suspends his campaign in an exclusive. Fox News, an exclusive Fox News moment on Greta Van Susteren's show. I was right, you guys. (laughs) He finally has dropped out. That's right. Brittany. I called it months ago, you guys. You are the Nate Silver of people who get it wrong. (laughs) <laughs> or at least delayed. Oh, boo. It was a delay. You you did call it. He was going to drop out. You just... It was months ago. Mm-hmm. So here is... So he- <laughs> that's sad for you. Stick to the psychology stuff. <laughs> Here's Rick Santorum telling Greta Van Susteren that he is a dirty, filthy quitter. Senator, let's start with the... First announcement, um, the one more personal to you. What is yeah. that? Well, Karen and I just uh, have decided, and family uh, and uh, our, our friends, we've decided that uh, the best way that I can uh, do what I set out to do when we announced to run for president, to help working men and women in this country get a better opportunity to defeat ISIS and, and, and stop Iran from getting a nuclear weapon, take on the national security threats of our country, and, and really try to help uh, foster and support stronger families in America could be done uh, by not furthering our campaign, by not continuing our campaign. And Does that by, mean you are suspending, we are suspending our your campaign, campaign as of this moment? All right. Let me let me give you a little behind the scenes mm-hmm. of I Doubt It With Dollamore. A little, a little uh, how the sausage is made, oh God. so to speak. Brittany hates that. Well, you haven't said it for a while, so well, it's okay. this... Would have been like a three and a half minute clip or something like that because he was rambling and ra- she had to coax it out of him. Mm-hmm. So she's like, so you're suspend like, all right, fucker, say what you're going to say. Right. So she had to coax it. And so then he says that and then he goes around rambling, 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 rambling. And then she's like, OK, what's the second announcement that you have? And it, this, I'll just I'll spill the beans. The, the second announcement is who he's going to endorse 
going forward. All right, let me go to the second announcement. That You hear that? All right. Uh, fuck. All right already, yes. Centaurum. What's the next thing? All right, let me go to the second announcement. That uh, You have a second announcement. What yeah. is that? Yeah, as I said, you know, we, we decided that uh, we wanted to find uh, a candidate that really um, espoused. All right. There's a minute five left. <laughs> There's a minute five left. He's going to explain. All he has to do is say who he's going to endorse. That's it. That's all he has to say. We wanted to find uh, a candidate that really um, espoused the values that we believed in, uh, someone who really had focused their campaign on trying to help. I always talked about the 74% of Americans who don't have a college degree, those who are, who are struggling on the margins, you know, the middle of America hollowing out, uh, and understanding the central role of the family and, and, the, and, and supporting uh, that, that opportunity that Family right. breakdown is one of the key reasons that the middle is hollowing out. It's not just a lack of opportunities and talk about manufacturing and, and that important thing. Who is it? All the, all the political That's people good. out there, they're That's waiting, for, they're waiting right. for, the, for the names. And then, and then the final <laughs> thing, somebody who has a real understanding of, uh, of, not taking of, the, the, of the threat of ISIS, real understanding of the threat of, of fundamentalist Islam and, and has experience. I mean, one of the things I wanted uh, is oh my God. Okay. in this area. Uh, and Who? that's why we decided to, uh, oh. to support Marco Rubio. Oh. Have you spoken to him? Uh, not recent. I mean, I spoke to him yesterday. How long uh, did you talk to him? Uh, a while. What's a while? Um, what? Well, let's say more than an hour. Uh, and and we talked for quite. Look, I one of the things I'm. I don't. Uh, wait, wait what? 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 That's happening. What? First of all, I'll. I haven't talked to him recently. Well, I talked to him yesterday. Well, that's fucking recently, Rick Santorum. Yeah. The second thing is, what's with this? Well, let's say more than an hour. Uh, and and we talked for quite. Look, I one of the things I'm I don't uh, <laughs> well, let's say more than an hour. Uh, and and we talked for quite. Look, I one of the things I'm I don't. Uh, <laughs> what is happening? I'm so is confused. It, is his brain rebooting or something? What is going on? Why was that so difficult for him? Something's afoot. This is weird. I mean, I'm not conspiratorial about this or anything, but. What the hell's going on? I know. Why can't he just say, yeah, I talked to him yesterday for about an hour and, you know, it's a good conversation. We talked about the the direction of the the, the, the country and blah, blah, blah. Rubio's probably thinking, this idiot, why are you ruining things for me? (laughs) You know what? Uh, It's like uh, one of those uh, campaigns that turns away money from like a porn producer. Like, oh, yeah, we don't want your money. Mm -hmm. Rubio's going to come out tomorrow and be like, yeah, we don't. uh, No, thanks. Yeah. Why don't you go over to the Trump camp? We yeah. don't uh, We don't need you. All right. Well, that is all of the news. News. For the Iowa caucus that we are going to bring you. I'm sure there's shit that you wanted to hear, you didn't hear. It's a lot. I don't want to go too crazy long. We are hoping to bring you a special bonus episode that will give you kind of a taste of what the Patreon things are going to be like. Tomorrow, there's been this atheist guy who's been going around in Iowa asking the different candidates questions. We played the Rubio clip, and uh, he also asked Ben Carson a question. Well, if our schedules mesh, we're going to talk to him tomorrow morning. This morning, while you're listening to this, we probably already talked to him. I don't like this time machine thing we have to do. It's very odd. Yeah, it's going to be... Hopefully, that's a bonus episode that will be provided for everyone, maybe as an incentive to grow our Patreon family. So, 
without further ado, let's end this thing on a really solid note. Taking care of biz. Oh, my voice sounds so good. It sounded so good. I know. You sounded like a normal woman. I know. I miss my voice. Now you're like, who's this dude sitting across from me? Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm is sick. It, why is Kirstie Alley <laughs> contestant on, uh, on uh, what's that dancing show? Uh, dancing with the Stars. Is that what Christie Alley is now known for? It's Kirstie Alley, isn't it? What did I say? Christie Alley. I don't know. She's a Scientologist. Okay. She, she is a Scientologist. I would thought you would go to like, look who's talking or, or something cheers. like that. Cheers. Or cheers. Well, yeah. I think about the most recent thing and she's, she's in those, you know, weight loss commercials and that. Anyway, taking care of biz. Okay. Women. Women. Women are taking care of biz because there was a little bit of a snowstorm that a, happens. A historic snowstorm. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. And lawmakers had to go to the Capitol to do their job. That's right. They have a job to go to. But apparently, most of them <laughs> couldn't make it, and only a certain segment it is of the lawmakers could make it. Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we already said this is about women, so you don't think it's like, oh, was there... Is there a, 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 a octogenarian senator? Is it only the young people that showed up? Brittany already spilled the beans. It's the women. It's the women. And this is a clip of Senator Lisa Murkowski. From Alaska. From Alaska. I always get it confused because back in the day, I don't think Barbara Mikulski is still there, but there used to be a senator named Barbara Mikulski. She was short, squat, kind of an angry lady, kind of a grumpy old lady. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah. And, uh, well, Senator Lisa Murkowski, she gave a speech on the House, and it seems like this happened unscripted. Like, she was there and realized as she was looking around that eh, there wasn't any dudes. Yeah. I might also note, just for a little historical perspective, that as we convene this morning, you look around the chamber, and the presiding officer is female. All of our parliamentarians are female. Our floor managers are female. All of our pages are female. Now, this was not orchestrated in any way, shape, or form. We came in this morning, looked around, and thought something is different this morning. Different in a good way, I might add. But something is is genuinely different, and I think it's genuinely fabulous. <laughs> so let me let me genuinely explain. fabulous. This this is this gives you kind of an idea or a, a a view into what I did when I worked for the United States Senate back in the day, mm-hmm. as they say. I worked there on the floor of the United States Senate. This is where I was. So when when she's talking about the parliamentarians. There's like looking at the desk and you got the person, the presiding officer. That would Mm -hmm. be when they talk about Mr. President, when they're talking to the senator or Mrs. President, that's the person who's presiding over the, over the, over the floor of the Senate. So that was a woman. And then there's a second desk just below that. 
you probably hasn't watched a lot of the Senate, but it's kind of like when you watch the State of the Union. Right. That top seat is where the presiding officer sits. And then there's a, a, a longer set of seats. And that's where the parliamentarians sit. Mm-hmm. That's where the, the, the people who control the rules and understand all of the nitty gritty rules of, of what goes on. So they can make sure that you follow proper parliamentarian procedure. But it wasn't just that, that we're all women. Even the pages were women. These are high school kids who come out and they intern for the Senate. There were no dudes that were there. I'm assuming even the stenographer, the person who sits there and takes record of what is said, was a female. Mm -hmm. Nobody on the floor of the Senate at the moment of this was a goddamn man. Right. So she kind of theorized that, quote, perhaps it speaks to the hardiness of women that you put on your boots, put on your hat, get out and slog through the mess that's out there and you get to work real good. Yeah. Seriously. Look, I'm not some avowed out there champion feminist. I'm just a humanist. But this is what in the fuck, dudes? Come on, men. What a bunch of lazy goofballs. What a bunch of turds. Dirty, filthy turds. No good. I'm sh- oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm shaking my head right wait, now. Wait, wait, I'm sorry, Deborah. Sorry about the turd talk. Yeah, no more turd talk. The poop talk. No more poop. The cauliflower poop talk. Cauliflower farts. <laughs> Listen, we are going to leave you there. We love you. We appreciate you. We we are astonished day by day by your participation, by your dedication to the show partnering with us to to drive and move the conversation forward. We are, day by day, changing this world little by little with the army of listeners. It is, we are humbled. We are humbled by it, and we love you guys so, so much. Until next time, for Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dallimore, and this has been I Doubt It. My laugh is a dirty, filthy disease. (laughs) Thank you, Deborah.